and welcome to the Stay at Homeschooling Moms podcast. My name is Mary Ellen Barrett, and I am being joined by my partner in crime here, Ginny Sufrit, and we have a great special guest. I'm so excited. We have been wanting to get this guest since we started the podcast. But before I get into that, I just want to encourage you to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. If you haven't subscribed yet, I'm going to ask you to deeply reflect upon why and We just want you to have joy in your life. And so please think about subscribing to the podcast and bring a little joy on Wednesday afternoons when it it bings or dingles or whatever it does and tells you that we have dropped an episode. So think about that. So Jenny, who's our guest today? You're going to introduce him for us? I am. Well, today, first of all, let me say what the topic is, and it is discipline, Ah, because having a handle on your kids' behavior is key to homeschooling success. More than really anything else, almost, to be honest. You could, I, I used to say I could teach like, a dumb monkey to read as long as the monkey paid attention to me and listened, you know, I could do anything. Uh, so we have the expert on that topic, Dr. Ray Guarendi. He's a Catholic father of 10 adopted kids. You have me beat on that one. Ray. I only had five adopted ones. He's a clinical psychologist. He's an author, professional speaker, national radio and television host. His radio show, The Doctor Is In, can be heard on over 440 stations and Sirius XM channel 130. His TV show is Living Right with Dr. Ray, and it's on EWTN Global Catholic Network, aired in 140 countries. He received his BA and MA from Case Western Reserve University and his PhD at Kent State University. Wow, that's a lot to have to go through. Wish you would have done a little bit less in your life. Anyhow, (laughs) welcome, Dr. Ray Guarendi. Glad to be with you both. I miss seeing you, but I'm glad we could be together again. Yeah, I miss seeing you too, Ray. It's, It's been a long time since we've traveled together. What we're talking about here is we were all on the same rubber chicken circuit for Catholic (laughs) homeschooling parents. And uh, Ray was a very, very popular speaker, as was Mary Ellen. And they let me come along because I was good with books. But but let's get to, again, discipline, because that is a number one problem in homeschooling today. Kids don't listen. Moms can't get a handle on the situation. And then they say, well, my kid's not getting an education. He's not listening to me. He's not doing the schoolwork. Back to school he goes which basically what they're doing there is they're taking the problem and sending it into a classroom where the kid can disrupt the whole classroom. And I actually had a discussion with a middle school teacher one day. It was very off the cuff. I was walking my dog and I yelled at a few kids who were being really loud and vulgar on the street. And I said, go home and tell your mother you have a mouth like a toilet bowl. And they ran like rabbits because nobody's ever looked at them cross-eyed before. So a teacher found me and he said, lady, you don't know the half of it. Teachers are actually afraid of being attacked by their students now. Ray, where are we? How did we get here? This is unprecedented in human history that children are giving such opposition and resistance to parents at all levels, from two on up to 19, 20, 24, 27. I call it the adversarial relationship. Unlike anything I even saw 40 years ago when I started, well, I started in kindergarten, but... (laughs) Nevertheless, when I saw it, I can explain it in a couple of ways. One, the experts have totally warped the way we approach parenting, warped it. Authority is a bad word. We have to be kind and gentle and reason and understand. And we don't want to frustrate and we don't want to cause any psychological problems. So parents are skittish. They are also, I used to think they were afraid of making mistakes. It's beyond that now. Now they are truly afraid of their child's psychological adjustment. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one. Wow. The other one is the culture. This is not a farm in 1880 anymore. 
This is yeah. a culture that says we want you and your kid to think the way we think. And a homeschooling parent who already says, I want to buy a few more years of innocence for my child is getting battered. And you now have to have a six inch steel rod through your spine to stand against that culture that is no longer on your side. That's the simplest way I can put it, ladies. That's true. Oh. Uh, that's absolutely true. Because we are constantly getting told we're sheltering our children. You're not letting them live in the real world. You're not all this kind of stuff because I don't let my kids watch degeneracy on television or listen to music where they're, you know, talking about killing cops or cursing people out or whatever it is. So the culture is constantly pushing back. And and it's not just the culture, like TV and news shows, it's, you know, relatives and people at church yeah. and, you know, people on the soccer team or whatever it is. It's just this constant, constant pushback. Of, uh, and homeschooling parents are just as subjected to it as anybody else. And, or if you discipline, like if you ground the kid, I get I'm because my kids get grounded when they're when they're bad. Oh, what do you mean you're not going to let him go out to the you know fill in the blank the bowling party or the thing? He's sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's sorry. You can, he's how sorry. can you how can you let him miss this because everybody's doing it? I don't care. <laughs> that's, that's the point of being grounded is you're missing Any something. Any parent listening to us, <laughs> any parent listening to us, has to come to grips with a reality, and the reality is. They do not go in the direction of the culture. They go against it. And the culture will tell them they're damaging their child. There's going to be all kinds of psychological reverberations. And they caused it. Yeah. I always said, if my children go in a bad direction, I want it to be because they had to go through me, not because I stepped aside and compromised with the culture. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. And I have to tell you, I mean, like everybody, I have 12 kids for Pete's sake. Not every one of them has been the Archangel Gabriel the entire time. But I sleep at night because I really worked hard to do the right thing and to tell them what the right thing is. Then they have to go on their own. But Ray, so many Catholic homeschool parents have absolutely bought into this, absolutely bought into it, that you can never look cross-eyed at a child. And what I think is, so if you're not teaching them self-control as a child, And very often, let's face it, as a teen, like my dad was working when he was 12 years old. He was driving a milk truck around the Bronx when he was 14 because it was during the war and they couldn't get workers. So we're not letting them grow up. We're letting them get away with whatever they want. We're not giving them responsibility. How do we expect them to work? I mean, this is more than a family problem. This is a national problem. Let me give you some specifics of discipline. Okay. Aaron will come into my office and basically say, this kid is major league behavior problem for him. Now, the first thing that we do wrong, I think, as a culture and as psychologists, is that we blame the kid. We say, well, he's strong-willed. Well, he has developmental issues. He's an angry child. Yes, what is it? uh, We point to the child. Oppositional defiant disorder. Yes, which is not a disorder. It's a summary label for a lot of bad behavior. So we, we point to the child and we say, something is wrong with this child. Bad diet, middle child. We're not respecting his feelings. Something's wrong with the child. 95% of the time, it is within the interaction between the parent and the child. Now, that's the good news because you can change that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I say to parents, very simple. Let's, Let's take a kid under age 10. If you were to say to this child, that's disrespectful. 
please go to the corner. I'll tell you when you can come out. Would he? Now, the average American parent cannot. They cannot do that without a brawl, without an argument, without a meltdown fit, without a look that says, who's going to put me there? You. Yeah, right. Without making the whole family miserable. The average parent can't do that. So I say to them, well, you know, you have no authority. You basically have to hope he wishes to cooperate with you because if he chooses not to cooperate with you, you have no authority. You've lost authority. Now, of course, they're going to say, well, how do I get it back? I'll give them ideas on how to get it back. That's why I wrote a whole bunch of books. <laughs> but the bottom line is the vast majority of parents, unless they have a temperamentally cooperative child, cannot get cooperation. If I say to a parent, well, you know, he's, he's incredibly disrespectful at age 13. I think he needs to write a letter of apology every time he does that. Oh, he won't do it. Uh, so who decides if he'll do it? Well, he'll melt. He won't do it. He'll melt down. It'll be awful. It'll be ugly. I can't get him to do it. I'll have to take something from him. Mm. So in other words, what they do is they try to find out where they can assert authority that he'll accept or he'll be forced to accept. Right. This is this is unprecedented. I remember my grandfather. If if I would have said, Papo, what did you do if Nikki would not take his discipline? My grandfather sixth grade education, would have looked at me like, what? Right. What you it was so unthoughtful. Uh, it was unthinkable. unthinkable. It was unthinkable. You're absolutely First right. of all, you got spanked. Okay. Right. Uh, we've, we've taken that away from parents. We've said that if you spank, you're evil incarnate. <laughs> all right. I, I, sadly, I, I have parents who are held up on charges because they spanked their child. <sighs> and the research everywhere says in a loving home, under control by loving parents, properly administrated. Notice all my qualifiers. That's what you right, a, a crack on the tush. We're not talking about beating the kid everything. with a belt. We're saying give the kid a crack on the tush. But you know, even Ginny, you see what you just did? You qualify because sure. we're so afraid of being psychologically incorrect that you've got to qualify. Okay, a crack in the tush. Okay, now I'm not talking child abuse and I'm talking about control and I'm not, see, we, we can't just simply say, a spanking. You can't say that anymore. No, 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 anymore. you're not allowed. I saw a survey. It's, it shook me to my bones. It said, which is worse, an adulterous relationship in a marriage or hitting a child? Now, notice the word they used, hitting a hitting. child. Notice right. that? By far, the people said hitting was worse than the adulterous relationship. Really? Yep. Yep. And that's yet, how, I have to so my oldest son, I have an adopted son, is 57 years old. We adopted him when he was nine years old. I was 23. So there's not, and I had older kids. So we're going back maybe 40 years now. Two of my daughters came home from school. They had seen a kid hit his mother, which was unheard of back in the night. Yeah, it was unheard of. Yeah. So it was unheard of. Nobody ever hit. And they came home, Ma, Ma, John hit his mother today. John hit his mother. What would you do if, if, if we hit you? And I said, I don't know. I have to think about it, to be honest with you. I said, but let me give you a little hint. If you hit me, make sure I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't let me. The cops did here. <laughs> make, yeah. make sure I'm dead. But but now I I commonly see little kids. They're usually little kids, not 10-year-olds, four-year-olds, smacking their mothers. Oh, I yeah. get teenagers doing it. 
Oh, do you? Oh, oh I get parents living in fear of their teenagers. I think Absolutely. that's a big father problem too. It was, I mean, my father was a, you know, burly Irish cop. It was unthinkable in my house that you would do anything to true. even vaguely disrespect my mother. Even like you, you didn't look crooked at my mother because my father was such a forceful presence in the house in terms of discipline. You just didn't like, and the man could move. I mean, he could move. You'd be smacked before you knew he was in the room. Honestly, he had no several things problem with play. it. Several things are at play. One, parents are afraid to assert authority. And in their fear, they become very ugly. They become nasty, unpleasant people because this kid or kids is driving them crazy. That's one. And they're unhappy. They're miserable. They're miserable. 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 They are. And they hear somebody like you, Ginny, or somebody like me who had double digit kids and they can't fathom it. Mm -hmm. I can't handle the two that I have. I can't even imagine that many kids. And they're telling you something about themselves. Okay. Third thing, they don't realize how much authority they have. They control everything. I tell that to parents. Okay, so the 10-year-old won't go to the corner. What are you going to do about that? Shut him down. Every single privilege he has is gone. That means you put green beans in front of him when it's time for lunch. That means his favorite hoodie is gone. That means he can't go outside. That means there's no electrical outlets. That means there's no dessert. That means if you go to a restaurant, he sits and watches because he hasn't given you his corner time yet. Parents don't realize the authority they have, but they're so afraid and reluctant to use it. They're terrified of, of all the things that you just said. They're absolutely terrified. They're terrified. They're, one time, uh, a woman, I, I do a lot of counseling of homeschoolers online, and a woman said something, I don't know what to do with my son. And he was like eight or nine. He doesn't like what we have for dinner. He throws a fit and he throws his fork. And I said, this is the easiest question I got all day. <laughs> there he goes. Oh, he's <laughs> next, gone. The next meal's breakfast. I mean, I don't see what this isn't even a problem to me. Good night. See you, you tomorrow. Said morning. You said something, Jenny, that always stuck with me. I was listening to you one time. I steal your material, by the way. Oh, that's so, okay. I've stolen yours. Okay. <laughs> you said that temper eruptions used to be the domain of two and three year olds. Yeah. Now they are the domain of eight, 10, 12, and 15 year olds. Yeah. And we don't realize how bizarre that is. We have it's because when that. the when the four year old refused to eat his his green beans and threw a fit, he wasn't sent to bed. Yeah, and, and I now, tell people. Yeah, now they're I running the household. This, I tell people this all the time. When I uh, my mother years and years and years ago now, uh, I lost my mother over forty years ago. One of my kids was not act, a littler kid was not acting very well in the grocery store. She says, "Well, take him out to the car and give them a reason to remember the occasion." And I said, "Ma." I said, I have, to, I have to leave my groceries in the store and take the kid out to the car and smack him on the tush and bring him back in. She said, you only have to do it once, Jenny. No, that's true. You only have to do it once. And it's the same thing with sending your kid to the table. Only have to do it once. They won't starve to death. They're Americans. We're all overweight anyhow. Let's talk to those parents who are giving up homeschooling because they can't control their kid. Yeah. First of all, you guys know this more than I do. You live in that world. The number one reason parents who want to homeschool don't is control. They just cannot control, get the child to cooperate. That's one. Two, they don't realize how much leverage they have. The average parent has 20 times the leverage of the average teacher. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. If if you're not going to do your schoolwork, well, okay, well, you're just delaying lunch is all you're doing. Lunch is being delayed and you have no privileges at all until your schoolwork's done. End of story. But the parents don't do that. Three, and this is interesting. At least, at least half 
of the parents who come in my office who are so convinced they're raising little Chucky or Cujo. <laughs> and I ask them, what does the school say? At least half say, the school doesn't see any of this. The yeah. school thinks they're wonderful. Because it's so a hidden school. Yes. How do you account for that? And you get some, you get some explanation like, well, I suspect he holds it in all day. And then when he gets home, he has to explode because he feels secure here. And he knows he won't be rejected. I said, that's not any of it. He <laughs> knows the dynamics of the situation. And I said, the irony is, here's the irony. That teacher has 20 kids and 10% of your authority. You have three kids and 20 times that teacher's authority. And yet that child will conform and cooperate in that classroom setting much more than he does with you. What does that tell you? You're not asserting calm, strong, quiet authority. You have all kinds of leverage. Sure you do. We're going to ask how to assert that calm, quiet authority in one minute. We're going to take a break for our sponsor. We're very privileged to have some really good sponsors here. So let's stop and listen to one of them now. Choose the best answer. A. Seton testing provides tests and test preparation materials for homeschoolers. B. Seton testing offers many different tests, including online tests, diagnostic tests in reading and math, and standardized testing for end-of-year proof of progress for homeschoolers. C, Seton testing provides quick and accurate results, or D, all of the above. If you answer D, then perhaps you already know that Seton testing has been providing testing services to homeschooling families at affordable prices for more than 40 years. To see how Seton testing can serve your family, see our website at setontesting.com. Good news, if you are currently enrolled with Seton Home Study School, then you will receive a discount on standardized testing. See setontesting.com for details. And thank you very much to our sponsor. Okay, Dr. Ray, so how do parents uh, assert themselves calmly and, and with that strength that, you, that we need? I mean, there are so many... How do we help these these younger parents who just seem lost when it comes to discipline? What what how do they achieve that calm authority? There is this talk show host who usually says when somebody talks about how they're running their lives, he'll say, "How's that working out for you?" So when you have these parents disagree with you and talk to you like you're the wicked witch of the west, you ask them. Well, how, how is what you're doing working out for you? Is it working out okay? Because if it is, you don't have to talk to me. You're fine. Do, your, do whatever you do. Reason, use iMessages, win-win scenarios, sticker charts. Go ahead. It's working for you. Go for it. But if you're coming to me saying, I'm totally frustrated, I'm upset, I don't like my own kid, and I want to quit homeschooling, well, then what you're doing isn't working. So here's a suggestion I give parents, very simple suggestion. Let's go, th let's go this way with the younger kids. One-time compliance. I'm simply going to make a pleasant request, and I'm going to say, please. I'm going to say, um, please leave your sister alone. Okay, I've said it. What's my next step? My next step should be not to repeat myself. 
not to yell, not to scream, not to re, 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 remind. My next step is what am I going to do about it? I asked him once, leave his sister alone. Bruno, you're in the corner, son. Okay. Now, as I said, most parents can't get that cooperation. He'll look at them like, who are you talking to? You talking to me? Try it. Okay. At that point, Bruno gets shut down. Parent doesn't say anything more. She can tell him last night, Bruno, here's what we're going to do here in our home. We have a new way of operating. I'm not going to scream at you anymore. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm not going to yell at you anymore. That's my fault. That's ugly. You're the kid. I'm the grown up. I should know better. So from now on, I'm only going to ask you once, either stop or start. If you don't, here's what I'm going to do. Now, you don't have to use the corner. You can use sentences. You can use lay on your bed. You can use half an hour worth of chores. I don't care what you pick. Right. Here's what I'm going to do. If you resist in any way, I'm not going to say it again. I will simply shut down every single privilege until you cooperate with what I said. It's that simple. That's what I'm going to do. Now, a parent will say, well, he'll throw a fit and he'll get really ugly and he'll go turn on the TV anyway. Okay, don't fight with him. You still control everything. Ultimately, you're going to put green beans and toast for supper. He's not getting fried chicken. Okay, ultimately, he's not getting a piece of pie. Ultimately, you're finding out that his stuffed animals are gone. Ultimately, the computer shut down with a password. He can't get on it. So ultimately, you still control things. But parents don't yeah. think this way anymore. They think, let's all just get along. Let us reason together. Well, they're you know, afraid. They, they are afraid. They're so terribly afraid. I, I had said something. They're bullied. They are Like if, if the bullied. kid turns on the TV, if you've told them to, to turn it off, unplug the blessed thing and put it in your husband's trunk. Yeah, I know. So there's no more TV in the house. Well, and part of it is fear. And also it's a lot of work. Like it's a lot of extra work those first few times that you have to do this. And like Jenny said, usually for me, like those big intensive punishments only had to happen once. Really. Like when when you have to do it once. You really only have to get that severe once, but it's a huge amount of work, especially if you have that stubborn kid who's willing to wait you out. You know, I can wait forever. Really, I have nothing Most else to do with it. My job stubborn. here is you. <laughs> Most kids are not stubborn by nature. No, that's true. They're stubborn by learning. Right. I have learned to be stubborn with my the Pavlovian parents. thing. Yeah, right? ring yes, the bell exactly and the dogs right. and the dogs salivate. But it is it is a lot of work to unplug the TV, and especially if you only have the one TV in the house. Well, now I can't watch TV. Well, you know that's tough. You know, yeah, or that's the way I was. Like too bad on me. Yeah, and and once I there was an issue with one of my kids, and he I had paid for a camping trip, a Boy Scout camping trip, and I said you're not going. You're just not going. And, every, you know, everybody's freaking out because, I don't know, it was like $200 or something. And I can't really afford to throw away $200. But throwing away $200 to have my kid do what I told him to do was more important to me. You know, I, that to me was worth $200. Now the kid earned the $200 back. I made him work for it. But like those issues, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And people don't want to do that much work. Jenny I think can that's relate part to of it. this. Jenny, some of your children are like mine. They had wretched histories. Horrible histories. They had drug and alcohol exposure in the womb, which would make them very difficult to raise. Tough, learning problems, impulse problems, conscience problems, deception problems. I have a book that I just finished called Taught by 10. A psychologist's father learns from his 10 children. 
And one of the things I pointed out in that book is given my some of my children's histories, they should be very, very difficult to raise, very tough, very defiant, very oppositional. We did not have defiance problems. We had sneaky problems and we had uh, weirdo problems and we had learning problems, but we didn't have defiance problems. Why? Is that because I'm such a great disciplinarian? No, my wife is a better disciplinarian than I am. It is because very early on, we established that mom and dad love you desperately and mom and dad will not permit you to act this way because that will hurt you. We won't. Somebody asked my wife, Jenny, Jenny, this was something like you went through. I said to my wife, when the kids were little, we had uh, six kids under six. Yeah. She said, um, what would you do if one of your kids refused their discipline? And my wife said, I don't know. Can't and imagine. She couldn't imagine it. it was, yeah, Can't it was, imagine. Because, because when they were two years old and they were put in that corner or sat on those steps and they didn't stay, they got a crack. And they didn't want that. And so they learned very quickly, daddy's going to put you there and you have no option. And that was it. I call it, you know what I call it? The perception of authority. That's what I call it. When we look back on our own parents and we say, I never would have thought of doing that, right? Yeah. It was, it was because we perceived that they had authority. It's like the kid who doesn't give his teacher trouble. He perceives the teacher has authority. The teacher doesn't have the authority of a mother or father, but he perceives it. And that perception of authority is what you have to establish. If you don't have it, everything becomes a brawl. Yeah. See, now my parents were 20 and 22 when I was born. And they were young and they were fun and they were good. Look, I had a great childhood. But I think they were reinforced, first of all, because they came from a different generation where you just, as an Italian home, you could be an axe murderer, but you don't speak disrespectfully to your mother, yes. no matter what. That's yeah. all there is to it. Um, but they also, it was every house on the block. No kid was speaking disrespectfully to their mother yes, on our block true. when I was a kid growing up in a very lower blue collar type of community. Nobody was. So now parents like you're correct in that they have to be like outliers. Yes, they do. They have to have this this right. armor on. Right. I'd like to talk about one thing that came up last week, actually, on social media. And Mary Ellen will tell you, we created. I created quite a storm. And basically what it was is a child who acts angry. Now, there are kids who have re actually some of the kids that you and I raised, Ray, had reasons to be angry. You know, I'm in a foster home because my mother's in jail and my grandmother's boyfriend doesn't like me. You know, mm -hmm. so I had to be in a that's a reason to be angry. Uh, because I turned off a TV, it's time to go to bed. That's not a reason to be angry. Because your brother got vanilla ice cream and you wanted it, that's not a reason to be angry. And I think that's my job to teach my children. No, that's nothing. Don't get angry over something so stupid like it. But now you have to validate every emotion. This is something that comes shrinks. up constantly. Many, the shrinks have done it. The shrinks have totally reshaped the way thousands of years have looked at parenting, at least in American Western culture. Other cultures, not necessarily so much. But yeah. we, we have. We have swallowed hook, line, and sinker. That's why our schools are a mess. Teachers, I saw a, per, I saw a survey that said 55% of the teachers polled are seriously considering whether to come back next year. Yeah. Mm. That tells you what when the whole school district is saying we we can't teach these kids because there's so just so much disruption in our building in our classrooms. They have bought into this idea, and the irony is, you know, you get it, Mary Ellen gets it, I get it. 
We're looked at like we're mean, horrible human beings when we suggest a few of these things. But the irony is so many of these kids are miserable. Their parents are miserable. Oh, yeah, they are. And they grow up to be miserable human beings. How cruel is that? Kids don't like to be out of control. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to be constantly giving into all of your emotions and and the social media thing that Ginny was talking about, I I watched this unfold and I was not getting involved because it was just, it was crazy. They were beating up on Ginny. Why should you get beat up? (laughs) It was just, I couldn't believe some of the things these moms were saying about these these small children and they were having to validate their feelings and, and talk to them about, I mean, these simple things where you should just be able to say, go to bed or eat your greens or whatever it was. And no, no, we have to talk and talk and talk and they were saying just the nastiest things to Ginny like your children must hate you and all this kind of stuff where Ginny's children are, are wonderful and they love her dearly and and she's an excellent parent I I cannot imagine being a 14 or 15 year old and having to walk around having to give in to every single feeling that you have without learning the self-control to say all right this is not this big of a deal or you know you you have to learn how to manage your emotions and 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 you know we can't, it, not everything can be about how you feel every waking moment of the day. You might have an angry feeling or a frustrating feeling or something. And my mother used to say, now I come from a classic American Irish family where you are not allowed to have feelings. You just keep pressing them down and pressing them down till the ulcer bursts. You just don't talk about your feelings. And she would say, nobody really is going to care what you think. Your boss isn't going to care what you think. Your, your, your college professors aren't going to care how you feel about it. You just have to plow through and do it. You have to get your job done. You have to do stuff. And then when you when you have a friend, that's what your best friend is for, to talk about your feelings. That's what your priest is for, to talk about your feelings. That's what prayer is for, to talk about your feelings. But you have to go through life and manage these things. And then you have these women like talking about their feelings about this kid who wants a chocolate chip cookie and they're explaining why they can't and they're validating their anger over it. Oh my gosh, I, I'm just exhausted thinking about it. <laughs> just don't. Just You know, Ray, you actually gave me a little insight gosh. and this was part what this discussion was about on social media. I heard you say something and it was a great spiritual awakening, awakening for me because for years I used to tell my kids, it doesn't matter how you feel, but you have to do the right thing. And you gave a yeah. talk once and said, no, Feelings can be sinful. Oh, yeah. If and I, when I you tell, think about I told it, the ninth and 10th commandment. If I told my wife, I said, honey, I want you to know that when I look at women where we work out, I lust after them. <laughs> but but it's just a feeling, honey. It's just a I don't feeling. Act on, but... I'm not going to act on it. Don't you feel better now? <laughs> yeah. How many of those ladies oh, in that no, thread no. said feelings aren't sinful? And no, they, they were can not... never be sinful. Talk I, hate, I hate the ninth and 10th commandment. The sight of you makes me sick. But I'd never act on it. So I guess it's just a feeling. (laughs) I know. This is a classic example of where psychology has trumped Christianity. Yeah. Okay. Like psychologists now instead of like Christians. As a psychologist, can you please tell the mothers of America it's okay to tell your kid, no, not getting vanilla ice cream is no reason to be angry. Here's what happens. We don't have to validate their feelings. Here's what happens. You. Mary Ellen, I cannot convince a parent to parent differently than they are until it hits a crisis point. Mm -hmm. Until they say, my five-year-old, I can't even take him to a restaurant Mm -hmm. because he's so difficult. Until they say, the preschool kicked him out. He's just too much trouble. Mm 
until they say my grandmother won't watch my nine-year-old anymore because my nine-year-old is so disrespectful. Until they reach a point where they're willing to look at the way they're doing things and said, you know what? This isn't going in the direction I had hoped. Then you can say, okay, now let's try to pick up the pieces, give you some ideas. You know, most of the people listening to you ladies are Christians. And they throw around the word strong-willed as much as they throw around boy and girl. They all yeah. think their kids strong-willed. I say to them, when G.K. Chesterton said, the one doctrine of Christianity that has ample empirical support, what was he saying? Sin nature, fallen human nature. We are bent to be strong-willed. We are bent towards the self. That's who we are. So to say a kid is strong-willed is basically saying he should cooperate. If he resists me, if he challenges my authority, well, obviously he's strong-willed. No, he's not. He's a kid. Right. We've forgotten that totally as Christians. We have. Yeah. The other, the other aspect, and we've kept you so long, and I can't tell you, I think this will be very valuable to a lot of parents, but everything is now a syndrome. Yes. I think That's the school right. districts get paid for kids with syndrome. Originally, funding for handicapped kids was supposed to be for kids with Down syndrome or blind children or, or you know, children with cerebral palsy. But now any any poorly behaved kid has op oppositional defiant disorder. Uh, any Let me kid give you it's the, a nightmare. Question, the answer to the question I get most often asked. Parents will say, what's the one thing I can do that will most undercut my parenting? I'll say that's very simple. Get them a smartphone. Very simple. The average age of a smartphone now is 10. Oh. Wide open vial of the universe in a 10-year-old's palm. If you hold out to 13, you're in the you're in 1% now. So if if you want to do this, then realize that your child is going to be much more shaped by that culture and that social media than by your morals and values. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's unfettered access to the internet when you get them a smartphone. Mm -hmm. If you have to get kids a, a, a phone, and we start at 14, but with a flip phone, and that's for Ew. like, Ew. I know, yeah. it's for like pickups. And I'm, I, my you know, I'm ready. They don't have, pay, there's no pay phones anymore, right? And then, so then they, they have to be able to call. They have to well, be able to pay for course, it when that's, that's when they get their smartphones. But that's but, the number one reason that, that parents and kids say. I have to know where they are. I have to contact them. And I say, that's fine. Get them a flip phone. Get them a flip oh, phone. no. Oh, no. They won't take a flip phone. No, 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 no. They, that, well, they, then they can have no phone. Well, again, there's the parent going, <laughs> no, I can't do that yeah. because my kid will be a miserable 14-year-old and everybody's telling me she'll feel isolated and she won't have any friends and she'll hate my guts. And that's what they get hit with. Yeah. yeah and I, I've had that with, I, I had to borrow so-and-so's phone to call for a ride and I had to borrow an or I get the text from the mom and the kid's complaining. I don't care. <laughs> I, I often bring up something. Remember when we were kids, okay. it was the children starving to death in Europe. So when my kids brought up or my grandchildren bring up something like, you know, everybody else has a has an iPhone and I have the stupid flip phone. I'll say, oh, yeah. And then there are kids in the Ukraine who have to sleep, you know, in, in a tunnel because that house <laughs> just bombed yesterday. Ask me how badly I feel for you, kid. Yeah. Yeah. There's always somebody worse off than you are. Yeah, it's crazy. I it's I I agree with you that it is unprecedented. I think in history, how like you know the the kids are running the show here, and I know several families where you sit there and you're like, wow, 
you know, the kid is talking to the mom in a way that, you know, and in my fifties, I wouldn't have talked to my parents that way. I just wouldn't have, Never or any, ever. actually any, any, you know, elderly person or adult older than me. I just, I can't conceive of how you could do Mary that. Ellen, is there anybody left older than you? No. Yeah, no. yeah Jenny. <laughs> oh, Jenny. Jenny and me. Jenny's older than everybody on earth practically, but that's okay. Ray, this was absolutely terrific. And just, you know, I, Mary Ellen is saying it and I'm saying I had some really troubled kids. My one, my one oldest son, I was telling Ray and Mary Ellen before we started taping, he was nine years old when I got him as a foster child. I was 23. So he's 14 years younger than me. He's been married now for a million years, has 10 children of his own, and two of his sons are in the seminary. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And I, you know, I say, so if you ever hear this, Gaby, mommy loves you. But but my my thing is like that's that's what America should be. From the orphanage to kids in the seminary. He has another son that graduated from Princeton. I mean, we we can do great things with our kids. Not all of them, maybe. Some of them, again, you know, if you have cerebral palsy, maybe you can't walk. But we can do great things with our kids. Hey, Jenny, Jenny, I, can, I can brag about my children. My son's parole officer said one of the nicest kids he <laughs> had. One of the nicest ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very respectful. Hey, if the if the parents listening want a lot more details on discipline, just tell them to go to my website, drray.com. All the books are there. Yes, and they're great yeah. books. Um, discipline That Lasts a Lifetime is one of my favorites, and I've actually given it to people. Um, really because, it. yeah, well, you know, when people are, you know, struggling, it's a great book to give to somebody who's struggling with that kind of thing. Um, I've used so many of the suggestions in it. I particularly like the, there was one, um, I don't know if it was from a talk or the book, Ray, where you said, um, like, if you were bothering your sister, give me a 500 word essay about what a great person your sister is. <laughs> and I did that once to one of my kids and I am telling you, it changed everything. They were horrified. <laughs> they had to that was it. <laughs> Like you only have to do it once. I keep saying that. You only and have that, to do it once. That essay had so many adjectives in it. <laughs> <laughs> I saved it for the longest time. But I mean, things like that really do work. They're very practical ideas. And um, Dr. Ray has a lot of great information on his website. So check that out. Check out his um, Sirius Radio. I think it's 130, Channel 130. I listen to yes. it a lot and he's on EWTN and just anything he says is golden. He's a great favorite of Ginny and mine. And I hope someday you'll come back and visit us again. Well, I will. I was going to do the uh, the uh, Seton graduation, but it just happened that I, I had another talk that day. Yes, oh. yes, I know. And they're, now I'm doing it. So a girl. Yeah. Well, she's not as much fun as you, Ray. I'm not. not I'm not. All say. those people are so disappointed. Well, she gets nervous about pronouncing the names. I wasn't nervous because I, I was they terrified expected, about they expected it. expected me to follow up. <laughs> they just figure you mess up. Yeah. This has been a delight. I hope you'll consider coming back on again because discipline is not something that we're going to deal with in just one podcast. Believe me, it's going to come up again and again and again. And uh, so again, go to drray.com for great advice. Please keep listening to our podcasts. If you like them, uh, give us a five-star rating. If you don't like it, don't give us any rating at all. We'd appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, God bless everybody. God bless. Thanks for listening, guys. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. 
There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, seatonhome.org, for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.